0: Hey, um, I'm just going to be straight up. Since Dave went off script, uh, I, I've been doing this a long time. I've never been nervous standing in front of the people of grace before. I'm nervous. It's like, what could I possibly have to say that you'd be interested in after what we've been talking about? I mean, why we're, the reason we're here is to celebrate the care center, and then I have to get up and preach to you. Um, fortunately, it is abbreviated. Um, this is our seventh week in our Family Tree Series. And this has been a, For those of you who are visiting or haven't uh, been coming to the last few weeks, it's a series where we've been looking at some of our spiritual ancestors that we find in the Scriptures. People who are people just like us that God worked through and we're looking at the ways that their lives and our lives can intersect, especially in transitional moments. And um, this is the first week that we're going to be looking at any of our spiritual ancestors that we find in the New Testament. Up until now, everyone we've talked about, people like Abraham and Jacob and Rachel, these folks all lived during the days before Jesus. Well, actually, longer than the days before Jesus, honestly, they lived centuries before Jesus. And their stories were all found in the Old Testament. But our ancestor that we'll be talking about today not only lived during the time period of Jesus' life, but he lived with Jesus for three years. And today we're talking about a huge moment of transition in the life of one of the most famous of all Bible characters, and that's Peter. Peter the apostle, the disciple of Jesus, and as you may know, uh, Peter's name was not really Peter. Um, this was a nickname, It was given to him by none other than Jesus himself, Um, given to him after uh, Jesus had met him. His given name, his real name was Simon. And as some of you may already know, the the word Peter was not a name. It was actually in the Greek, the word is petros in the Greek, but it means rock. And while some scholars have tried to convince us that Jesus gave him this nickname, The Rock, because Simon had a a rock-like, unmovable, stay-the-course character, uh, we can be almost 100% certain that his character had absolutely nothing to do with Jesus calling him by this nickname. He was called The Rock, by Jesus simply because he was a great big guy. He was a big man. Now, we could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. But with this said, just because Peter was a big, strong-looking man who'd spent three years closely following Jesus as one of the three insiders of the disciples. He had great access to Jesus. He and two other men had closer access to Jesus than any of the other disciples even. But even though he had all this going for him, it didn't mean that this member of our spiritual family had it all together. In fact, one of the most telling moments in Peter's life happened at a time that was so important that it it just boggles the mind that this happened. It was a a moment that proved that he didn't have it all together, even though we consider him an apostle. What happened was that on a night that Jesus needed him the most, he failed him. There was a night when Jesus was arrested And he needed people like Peter to stand with him more than ever. And on that very night, this big, strong rock of a man swore three times. And I don't mean like he swore, like said bad words. I mean he said as a vow. He said as a vow to two servant girls and a group of those servant girls' friends that he didn't even know who Jesus was. You see, Peter could see that Jesus was in serious trouble. And it seems he was afraid of that same sort of trouble happening to him if he were seen to be associated with Jesus. And so he denied even knowing who he was. Now, many of you probably know that Peter did come to his senses. And he realized how terribly he had abandoned Jesus. But you know, I can't imagine that this moment in his life when he could have stood with his dear friend, and yet he said, I don't even know who he is. I can't imagine that that moment didn't haunt him for the rest of his days. Now, we do know that after Jesus had risen from the dead, he went out of his way, to reinstate Peter as one of his insiders, one of his apostles. But I can't imagine that this moment wasn't a source of sadness for Peter. He'd seen the cost of being a follower of Jesus and it just looked like too much. But soon, Soon after that event happened, there came another moment in Peter's life, a second moment of transition where he was given an opportunity to tell the world that he was fully in with being associated with Jesus. We read about this moment in the second chapter of Acts. And while we don't have time today to go into much detail, I want to read a bit of this moment and show you where I see Peter becoming a new man A man who's unafraid to stand with and for Jesus. So let's all turn to this. It's Acts 2, verse 1 together. If you have the House Bible, if you're using the House Bible, it's on page 905. And I do want to say welcome to everybody that's online. We're so glad you're with us today. Let's all turn to the very first verse of chapter 2 in the book of Acts. And here's what we read. It says, on the day of Pentecost, now I just want to make sure that you all know that Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. It was actually the day that they celebrated the first incoming grain from the wheat harvest. And over time, it became a celebration of the giving of the law to Moses way back earlier. And it happened, this particular, the reason it's called Pentecost is because it was 50 days, 50 days after The Passover celebration, so it's penta as in 50, and it says, on the day of Pentecost, so it's a holiday, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and just so you know, there are about 120 of them total, about 120 people who were still believers in Jesus at the time. And now we're going to find out next why it was important that these 120 believers could speak in these other languages. It says in verse 5, and at that time there were many devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And I just want to stop and say there were a whole bunch of reasons why there were a number of Jews from many nations living in Jerusalem at the time. I wish I had time to tell you all about it, but I just have to say this. You talk about the perfect con. Conform- to coming to i don't know what the word would be coming together of all things political and religious and all that that so many people from all over the world would be in jerusalem on that particular pentecost it just is amazing we'll have that sermon I don't know, years, sometime, okay? But it's cool. Anyway, on it goes, and it says, when they heard, this means all those people from all over the place heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers, and they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Galileans, by the way were considered by the uh, genteel upper crust of Jerusalem to be uneducated yokels. And what they were used to hearing from Galileans was a sort of a, I hate whats let's say, uh, a poor-accented Aramaic. You know, they just, they, they don't learn other languages up there. And then what we get in the text is a long list of the places that these devout Jewish people, where they were all from, places like Parthia and Elam and Cappadocia, it's a really long list. And I wish I could preach a sermon on that list too because it's odd that it just gives us all of the spaces in the Roman Empire and beyond. It's like a list of people from the whole world. And then it says, and these these people are saying, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. And they stood there amazed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Can I just stop a minute and say, I've been around a lot of drunk people in my life and nothing a drunk person has ever said to me sounded like they were speaking clearly about God in another language. I'm just saying that's a bad, (laughs) bad thing for this person to say. Uh, Where was I? (laughs) Let's see. Oh, then we get Peter's transitional moment. This is the moment. Then Peter stepped forward, I love the word step forward, it's like out into the front. Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully all you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Now we do know that Peter wasn't alone, but he was stepping out into an unknown world, if you would, if you want to say it that way. He had no way to know how this thing was going to turn out. He's about to talk about Jesus, and the last time anybody talked about Jesus publicly, somebody died. Okay? He doesn't know what's going to happen, but one thing we can be sure of, he was no longer ashamed of his association with Jesus, not one bit. He didn't seem to care at all what kind of trouble might come his way, and it says… he says this, make no mistake about this. These people aren't drunk, as some of you are assuming. I love this detail. Nine o'clock in the morning is too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And then what he does is he proceeds to preach this monster sermon. And then it, it's essentially, it says, like this is like the summing it all up. It says, God publicly endorsed Jesus by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. And he should have been welcomed as the Messiah and not put to death on the cross. And then he says this, drop down to verse 32. He says, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. And now he is exalted to the highest place of honor in heaven at God's right hand and the father as he had promised gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today and here look at verse 36 it says so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Now, I just want to say one quick thing about those two words. Lord was reserved for Caesar only. You didn't use the word curious to speak about anybody but Caesar. It was a crime. And Messiah said to the Jews, this is the one that we have been waiting for for centuries. He has come to take over and bring God's kingdom into the world. I can't tell you how powerful that statement would have sounded in the moment. And then once Peter really had their attention, he went on to strongly urge everyone who was gathered that day to repent and follow Jesus. And about three thousand people did. That's a big crowd. Three thousand people said, I'm in with you, Peter, on Jesus. And the church was born. And Peter had no idea what was coming. And he had no idea where the, what him stepping up in this way would lead, where it would lead him or anybody else. But he did it because he knew that he had to step up and take the bull by the horns and shout it out that Jesus is the Lord, and Jesus is the Messiah. Now, I don't want to be too bold here, but Peter's this-has-to-be-done attitude, his this-is-what-we've-been-commanded-to-do, so we will do it even if we have no way of knowing how it will turn out. That stance of his was exactly the same attitude that we, we had 11 years ago when we realized we had to do something. I, I know this seems like a jump, but we knew there were just too many people out there who needed help with food and with being given dignity. And we also knew that the help they needed was exactly the kind of thing that Jesus wanted to see happening in Hamilton County, of all places. We didn't know if it would be successful. We didn't know what it would become. We didn't know what it would cost. We didn't know anything. But I can say without a doubt that our stepping out has led to one of the Greatest, if not the greatest moment of transition in the life of Grace Church. it all happened when the people of Grace Church said together, We have to do this. We have to step out and now, ten years later, look where it 's taken us. I want to say it straight up i can 't take credit for any of this, but I was in the room when people whose hearts were moved by this said. The first inklings of the care center were coming to them when Marcus's dreams were being first expressed and we said we have to do it. And to me it's all seemed like a Pentecost-like experience in that God has been pouring out his spirit on tons of grace people and people in the community in ways that I could have never, we could have never imagined. And you know what's interesting to me that now the parthians and the elamites and the cappadocians who live in our community are experiencing the kind of care that god clearly longs to see happening through those who are bold enough to say that they're followers of jesus you know peter went from being unwilling to associate himself with jesus to being the primary spokesman the rock of Jesus' church. And I'm just going to be honest, we went from just talking about God's desire for justice and healing and repairing the world's brokenness to together putting rubber on the road. And it's been humbling to see what God has done. And there, I have to say, it, there is an excitement and waiting in anticipation for all that God will continue to do through this community and in this community, and who knows what will happen? Who knows what can happen if we simply stay willing when we hear the Lord asking, who should I send? When we say, here we are, send us. Let's pray. Father, um, it's an honor to speak on your behalf dear people. It's an honor to be able to say that we are serving you and that you are changing people's lives through us. Father, we thank you for trusting us to carry your name into the world. We pray that you will continue to pour out your spirit in us and through us in ways that heal the broken places of the world and that we will be a community that not only changes the world for your name but that brings great honor to your son who is the lord and the messiah i pray these things in his precious name amen thanks for watching but don't stop there we want you to find community at grace church and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us/pub There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.